And my title this morning is The Most Important Thing to Know in 2021. Actually, that's not my real title. That's my clickbait title because I don't want to give everything away on the first page. This is my real title. I will be with you. The Era of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. Part nine of seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And my goal today is to see the huge difference between Adam and Eve's test and Abraham and Sarah's and be massively encouraged for the coming year. So very, very quickly, the story so far, we began by saying, why study the Old Testament? Because you need to have the roots in order to get the fruits. We looked at creation and a sense of God's wonder and awe at God's power, our wonder and awe at God's power and beauty. And then we looked at the big story, the arc of the story that goes right the way through from fall to Jesus. And then we looked at shadows and types and uh, how impressions in the Old Testament are actually linked through to the reality in the New. Then we looked at the flood and uh, the amazing way in which the ark is a picture of Jesus taking us through this this uh, disaster. And then we looked at the covenants and how the covenants are the backbone of the Old Testament. And we looked at particularly Noah, at Abraham, at Israel, Sinai covenant, and then the new covenant, which we particularly landed in. Then some questions coming out of that. Has Jesus done away with the law? Answering the problems that come up. Then Jesus, the light of the world, and how Jesus, uh, we looked at basically all the references, or at least I looked at all the references, and I gave you a sampling of the ones throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament on light. And we saw how light imagery is used of creation and also of hope, and how Jesus is the embodiment of light coming into the world and giving us hope. So this week, uh, my my title, I Will Be With You, we're going to have three things we're going to look at. First of all, the new beginning. Then how the story continues through the Old Testament. And finally, how we inherit the very best promises. So, um, a new beginning. We're going to be looking then at the era of the patriarchs and matriarchs. And this means Abraham and Sarah, and then Isaac and Rebecca, and then Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. And you've thought, well, how come there are two women there? Well, these patriarchs were not perfect by any means, and there were all kinds of problems with all of them. And that's actually, we're going to see part of the story. And then we can possibly add Joseph at the end of that story. So that would be the new beginning that we're going to be looking at today. And this, it's almost like God starts again what he did with Adam and Eve, starting again with a new Adam and Eve, which is, uh, which are Abraham and Sarah. And what we see is a rerun of the choice in the Garden of Eden, but it's a very different kind of choice. So I've got a very simple diagram, I think, that, that really catches this. The first is that with Adam and Eve, it was law. 
you shall not eat of the tree. And you either fail or pass. That's the nature of law. You, you either keep it or you don't keep it. That's what, that's the, the, the test, the challenge that was given to Adam and Eve. However, when we come to Abraham and Sarah, who are the new couple who are chosen out to start a new kind of man, a new mankind, a human, new humankind, they have a different question. Take the risk of trusting me and I promise to be with you. And the two responses are unbelief or trust, which is the same as faith. But I prefer the word trust because it's a very kind of concrete word and faith can sometimes be a bit abstract. So here is the contrast. So the first one then was a law. Do this. You either fail or pass. And the second one was a challenge to take the risk of trusting me and I promise to be with you. And then you either believe that or you trust it. Now, why is that different? Well, there's a very fundamental difference between this because it's not about perfection. It's not about some, you've got to do this perfectly. And we're going to see that it was, they were very imperfect, but it's a matter of, of moving in that direction. And this was something completely new. And it's a, a what happened with Abraham, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, turns out to be a, a type of the covenant that's related to us, as Paul expands. We're not going to look at that today, but there's a very clear link there. So let's look in, at more detail about what this challenge was. And I've called it Leave and Believe. And so in Genesis 12 and verse 1, we have the first mention of this. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So this is the challenge. And the belief was that the promise you were going to have children. And we read by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So it's trusting, it's it's leaving what they had and trusting. And then um, we have one more reference. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abraham, just before his name was changed, in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Now, I looked up every reference in the Bible to I will be with you, I'm with you, um, fear not, all those statements of God being with his people. And because this is really what I want to focus on today. And this idea, this is the very first time this idea comes up in the Bible with uh, Genesis of God being, sorry, with with Abraham, with God being with a person here in Genesis 15. God is with somebody. And this is incredibly important. This is a major change that um, I think is the key difference as we move into this era of biblical history. God's promise to be with people. So what was this challenge that Abraham had? The challenge was that he had to leave. Where did he have to leave? Well, he was in a place called Ur. And I'm going to ask Anne just to tell you something about Ur. Yes. Um, so I did some reading about Ur. 
And it was, nowadays the present site is sort of in the middle of a desert, but back in Abraham's day, so around about 2000 years BC, it was actually a port. The sea came right up to it. It was a place of trade. They traded with all over the world. And it was an extremely wealthy city. And the people who lived in Ur had an amazingly um, comfortable lifestyle. It was the place to be. It was the most um, uh, affluent city in the whole of Mesopotamia, possibly in the whole world. And it was... Um, uh, this was the place to go to. If you wanted a good lifestyle, this was the place to be because they had everything they needed and they had a strong ruler who kept them safe and it was a really, really cushy life. Yeah, thanks. And that, that picture there is uh, is archaeological discoveries in Ur and they found, uh, they found so much sophistication, like even like banking system and all kinds of things they found in the streets as they've uncovered the Ur. So uh, that's what he was called to leave. And he was, uh, he was asked to take this huge risk. And so I'm going to suggest then that this new beginning involved taking a risk to live using God saying, live using my wisdom, not your own, and I will be with you. Even when you mess up in your weakness, I will not abandon you, but I am still with you. And I'm summarizing that on, on those statements there as what God is speaking as this new covenant made with Abraham and Sarah and then repeated with the following generations. Can you imagine what these words would have felt like to Abraham? Can you imagine when God said, I'm your shield, Abraham. Don't fear. I am your shield. I'm with you. Can you imagine what that felt like? Um, Imagine you're worried about the future. Um, right today, imagine today you're worried about the future and God appears to you in a vision and says, I'm your shield. Don't worry about it. Mark, don't worry about it. Uh, Rosalind, don't worry about it. Dan, don't worry about it. Heather, don't worry about it. I'm your shield. I'm going to be with you. Can you imagine what that was like for him? And I really wanted to get to get the idea today that God is saying this to us. For 2021, he is our shield. Um, so God made this covenant that was different, the covenant with Abraham, not about his performance, but about his trust. And God promised to him unconditional love. He never, he'd never spoken like this to a human being before. Now, we know that, that Abraham messed up. Like, for example, very soon after that, he was lying about his wife. She was his sister in order because he was scared. And then Sarah was persuading Abraham to take on Hagar as a second wife and all kinds of stuff that wasn't good. But it wasn't dependent on them being good. This was the amazing thing. God's covenant was different. God's covenant says, I will be with you and my love for you is irrevocable. And so this is the remarkable new beginning that they, that started with Abraham and Sarah. And so that was my first point, a new beginning. 
Now I'd like to move on to look at how this story continues through the Old Testament and then end by seeing how we inherit the very best promises. So story continues with their son Isaac and we read, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. So just as he was with Abraham and Sarah, he was with Isaac. And we saw, the, we, we, if we read the Bible, we saw, see this develop. And then we see, um, quite remarkable, with Jacob, their son. And with Jacob, Jacob had lots of bad things happen in his life. And the very first one, he he uh, stole the birthright from his brother and uh, was afraid his brother was going to murder him and had to run for his life. And as he's on the run, God appears to him and says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you. Wow, can you imagine what those words felt like to this young man who was completely by himself? He had, he, all he said, all he had with the staff in his hand. That's all he had. He was, tra- he was running for his life. And God appears and says this, I am with you. And then he, 20 years later, when he returns, he says, he prays to God and says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant and acknowledges how God had been so faithful. And then near the end of his life, we read, he says, let's go to Bethel. And that's actually the same place as he appeared, appeared in that first reference. Let us go to Bethel so that I may make an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. (laughs) That just touches me so deeply to read that, to be able to talk about God as he is the one who answers me in the day of my distress. He answers me and has been with me wherever I have gone. Wow, what powerful words. Those are words to take hold of and to say, I want those words to be mine. They are so strong. And I want, this morning, I want you to take those words for yourself. Um, Jacob was a very flawed individual. And I think that all of Jacob's flaws are revealed to us so that we will understand the nature of God's love here. It doesn't depend on us being flawless. And uh, he was flawed. But if you trust Jesus, then this is what he is saying to you, what God is saying to you. And if you can take in that last verse, then I've done my job today. I'll read it again. God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. If you can take that in as belonging to you, then I've done my job today. And I want to challenge you. I want to say that you have a choice in 2021. You can give into fear or, I mean, some people fear isn't the the main problem. It's going their own way, doing their own thing. But, you know, either of those things, uh, giving in to those things, or you can put your trust in the God who says, I am with you. And what that's actually doing is undoing 
the lie of the serpent. Because if you remember, when the serpent spoke to Eve, he basically said, God doesn't have your best interests. He's trying to keep you from something good. You cannot trust him to look after you and look after your interests. That is what the serpent was saying. And by trusting God in this way, we are actually doing the opposite of what happened in Eden. We are undoing that lie. Uh, another way of uh, trying to reframe what this uh, what this uh, uh, choice that we're given is <clears throat> from law to grace. Um, imagine there's a, an orphan child that's been brought into a home by loving parents, been adopted as their child. And it's first Christmas. And this is huge present under the Christmas tree for this child. And the child, the child can't believe that it's theirs and, and says, I, I can't believe this is for me. I'm not good enough for this. I, I can't, I can't take this. I'm not good enough for this. Um, and, a very wise parent says, um, actually, there is something you have to do in order to have that present. And the child says, what is it? I'll do it. You tell me, what is it that I have to do? And the, the parent says, you have to believe that I'm the kind of parent who would give you a gift like that and believe that I have. Uh, and then, of course, the child, you know, if, if they really believe that, well, you know, it's theirs. And of course they do in my story. So God says, can you believe that about him, that he's the kind of God that wants to be with you, that wants you to throw your trust on him and accept these, um, this amazing gift that he wants to give you? Because that actually is the requirement that's the odd thing about this. The requirement is that you accept it. You accept the gift. That's the, that's the only thing you have to do is to actually believe it. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They accepted the gift. They received the gift. And that was all that was required for them to have it. And so this was undoing the lie of the serpent. So the story continues with um, Moses and Joshua. And uh, there's some great verses um, in Deuteronomy. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will not. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or disma- be dismayed. I read that again. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Again, wonderful verses for us to take in in this coming year. And then as Joshua goes into the land, God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Those are just such precious verses, but we are the inheritors of them is is what I want to show now. So what I've done is uh, I've, I've talked about a new beginning, and then I've talked about the story continuing through the Old Testament. What I want to do now is to show how we inherit the promises. We're looking at how the Old Testament relates to the new, and I want to show you how these promises relate to us in the New Testament. Well, um, one of the best known 
prophetic books in the Old Testament is Isaiah. Isaiah is quoted more in the New Testament than any other book in the Old. And the reason for that is because it's probably the richest in terms of prophetic references to what's coming. And so I've got a couple of quotes uh, that we're going to be reading. And uh, what happens is Isaiah is taking up the promise to Abraham and he's applying it. He's saying this can actually legitimately be applied to all of Abraham's children, wherever they are to the farthest corner of the world. Whom you, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners saying, you are my servant. I've chosen you and not cast you off. So obviously he's not limiting it to the people of Israel here. It's, it includes us, the Gentiles. These are the people who inherit the promises because we have faith. We trust. We believe God. Anyway, the promise to us continues. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord, your God, hold you, hold your right hand. And it is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. That's an amazing picture of God holding our right hand. You know, the other, the other day I went for a walk for Anne and it was quite icy on one patch and I, I, I held her, uh, her hand as we went through it so that, um, she wouldn't fall over. I mean, that's not the only reason I want to hold her hand, but you know, that was a particular point where she needed that safety because she could slip over or I could have slipped over. But here God is saying, He's holding your hand. Wow. What, what an amazing thing that God offers to do that. We would have no reason to fear if he is holding our hand. I just love that expression that he, that, that verse there, hold your right hand. That's just so, such a precious verse. But actually the next one is even, I think, more special, Isaiah 43. And you've probably heard this because it's such a well-known passage. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Wow. Then it goes on because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. I'll bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. These are such amazing verses. And so, as I said, my goal is that you would grasp these as we move into another year. And as you, if you go wherever the Lord is leading you, you'll know that he is with you. So um, there was a many years ago, I don't count how many, about 80 years ago, I guess, there was a start of a new year in the UK, which was um, very fearful. It was 1939. The Second World War had just broken out. And even in those days, the reigning monarch would give a, a, a New Year's address, a Christmas New Year's address. And um, 
1939, December 1939, the monarch was King George VI, and he addressed the nation just as this war had started. And uh, he, you can see in that picture, his daughter, Elizabeth, who's now, of course, the reigning monarch, she's 13 years old, and she gives a poem to her dad, which he then reads. And I'm going to read to you that the, the, pro, the poem is called God Knows. It's often known as the, the gate of the gate of the year. But um, uh, I'm going to just to read to you this poem that this 13 year old girl gave to her dad to read to the nation as they moved into this new year, which was going to be just unimaginably horrific. God knows. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, trod, trod gladly into the night. And he led me toward the hills and the breaking of day in the lone east. So that is uh, just an amazing, uh, amazing word for that girl to give to the nation at that time. So I want to challenge you. You have this choice in 2021. Are you going to give into your fear or go your own way apart from God? Or are you going to put your trust in the God who says, I am with you? So I'm going to challenge you to do this. And I've got one more slide I'm going to put up. And I like to have my last slide. I like to have some verses of scripture that we can end up by focusing on. And so I've got three scriptures from the New Testament where which are really echoing these promises that have richly gone right the way through scripture and now we have the one who actually come now do you know what the name Emmanuel means the name Emmanuel means God with us and so this is amazing because actually what could be more God with us than him actually becoming a human and being with us and so Jesus becoming a human was the fulfillment of all of these promises that God says, I will be with you. And so uh, I'm going to read some some uh, scriptures here. Two of them are words of Jesus, and then, then one's reflecting on it. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is what God said to us as when he was walking on earth with us. He said that, but he's gone now, has he? Well, 
That was the next thing I'm going to quote. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And then he told them about how the spirit was actually representation of him to us. He would be present with us through his spirit in our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit or those separate person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit comes to bring us like the channel of Jesus' presence with us. And so we enjoy the spirit and through him we enjoy Jesus' presence with us. And he says, I'm giving you that as a sense of my presence and a knowledge of my presence. And so Jesus is in, in, in us, in a, with us in a way that the Old Testament saints couldn't really experience because of this closeness. And then the last one I want to give you as a challenge is from Hebrews. And this is Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money. And this is a little bit like the challenge to Abraham to leave this wealthy city. And be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, it's interesting. He's quoting the promise to Joshua at that point and saying, actually, that can legitimately be applied to us because Joshua in some ways is a picture of us at that point which is another story, but he obviously is legitimately making that connection. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can humans do to me? And those are the words that I want to leave you with as we begin this new year. And my prayer is that all of us will take hold of these promises of God with us, not just with us, but with us as our shield, our protector. And this last verse says, our helper, our helper, he will not leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that amazing? I, you know, I, as I've been preparing this sermon, I've been just uh, deeply touched by it deeply touched, particularly as I was reading the scriptures, and I've got a lot more than I showed you, looking at all of these references to God being with us and thinking, wow, what could be more amazing than having God, the most powerful entity in the universe, saying, I'll be with you. I'll take you by my your right hand. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is amazing. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that all of us will take in these amazing promises. And Lord, that we will step into whatever you're calling us to do and step away from whatever you're calling us out of, trusting your power, your strength, your presence with us. Thank you, God, for these words. Please comfort us. May we never forget them and never let go of them. In Jesus' name, amen.